if you're kind of new or um, obviously it's like a new start isn't it after lockdown and we can't we don't quite know what is next um, there's some familiar faces and some new faces and you might be thinking well why why do we do all this worship And we haven't always done all this worship. But when we began as a church, that is the way we were born. We were a church where God was doing miracles, where he turned up with his presence in worship, and we waited on him to see what he wanted to do. And that's why we do it. And that's, I, I really felt as I've kind of said over the last few weeks, that, that God really wanted us to realize that worship is actually all about him. That when we worship, we're ministering to the Lord. And, you know, I, we as, at times, have been as guilty of this as others, where worship is about something else. It's about warming the congregation up, getting them ready, getting them excited, whatever all those sort of things. But ultimately, worship is about ministering to the Lord, not about ministering to us. And we as elders have felt really strongly that we need to take the time to recover that at the core of our church. And so that's why we're doing what we're doing. Um, just by a bit of explanation. We also want to do what the Holy Spirit wants to do at any moment. Now, here's, here's the thing. Sometimes that'll go well, and sometimes we'll miss it completely, because that, that's the way it's always been. But I'm, I'm believing that as we go forward as a congregation, that, that we'll hit it more than we miss it. Um, you know, we... I don't know about you, but I've read lots of books about great men and women of God. And they're amazing people. And generally, there's only one or two in a generation. But I don't think that was ever God's will. I think God intended his body to be like that. And we will be like that when we give him everything about ourselves. And I know I've said these sort of things the last few weeks, and I also know I'm kind of in the middle of a series, um, which has got a bit abandoned. So I'm studying here going, mm, doesn't fit again. <laughs> I, think, I think the Holy Spirit would like me to kind of start helping if we're unfamiliar or we forgot about how he wants us to draw near to him. Do you know, um, religion is not the same as relationship. We all know that, don't we? And we'll quite happily say Christianity is about relationship and not about religion. And yet, much of what we've done 
looks like religion. We, we struggle to get hold of that real relationship, that interaction with the Holy Spirit. And I think some of us need to relearn that. And some of us need to learn it for the first time. Because Jesus didn't come in order for us to found a new religion. He came so that we might have relationship. He said, uh, you know, this is eternal life. Eternal life starting the minute you give your life to Christ when you're born again. This is eternal life that they will know you. Not this is eternal life and you'll start a church or you'll do this good work or you'll have this gift of the spirit or you'll be a great worship leader or anything like that. He said, this is eternal life that they will know you. That was the goal of Jesus buying us back, redeeming us, so that we would know him. There's a, an old catechism. Do you know what catechisms are? They're kind of things that people used to repeat by rote as articles of faith. And the Westminster Catechism says, and it's article number one, the chief end of man is to enjoy God and be enjoyed by him. Now, somebody wrote that 400 years ago, and it hasn't changed. In fact, it had been true at that point for 1,600 years. That has always been why God created us. It's why he made us, that he wanted fellowship with us. He, he wanted, like with Adam, to walk with us in the cool of the night in the garden. He wants to know us. And, you know, wherever we are in a relationship, there's always more to be revealed. And so he's, the amazing thing about God is we can never exhaust the more of what is to be revealed in that relationship. Okay, I know where I'm going now. We're all right. I got the word. And uh, we'll scrap some of this stuff off here. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, Take Cheryl and I, for example. Cheryl and I, I was a bit of a slow starter, so we dated for seven years before we got married. Um, I ran out of excuses. But we've actually been married beyond that for 34 years. So we've been together for 41 years. And what I would say is that our relationship now is not like it was 41 years ago. We know each other much more deeply. We can, we, I don't know if any, any of you do this because it's a bit weird, but we, we can sit in a room and be silent for like an hour, but we communicated. And that's kind of, there's always deeper and deeper that you can go in a relationship. And it's the same with the Holy Spirit. If you, if you want to know where I'm going, I'm going to John 14. Um, it's the same with the Holy Spirit. Wherever we are in our relationship with the Holy Spirit, we never have it all because he's infinite. You, can, you cannot exhaust the depths of that relationship. And, and when we think we, we have it all, actually we have a real problem and that's called pride. And so wherever we are in that walk and that relationship with the Holy Spirit, there's deeper and wider and longer and higher and more glorious and more wonderful and more incredible places that we can go in that relationship. 
you know, I, I think just to kind of give us a start, this. I don't know if you, you've thought of this, but when I when I was growing up, there was one level to my relationship with the Holy Spirit. I, I grew up in a traditional church, and my level of relationship with the Holy Spirit was there was this guy that was appeared in the Apostles' Creed called the Holy Ghost, and I had no idea what he was supposed to do, except he seemed kind of ethereal and came through walls because that's what ghosts do, but you couldn't relate to this Holy Spirit, but. And yet, at that level, I was born again and I was given new life because the Holy Spirit dwells in me, in my spirit. Uh, but I had no comprehension of that. And, uh, you know, I, I was excited about some things, but then I had times when I wasn't excited at all and it was very kind of up and down and all over the place. And then when I, when I was kind of 20-ish, I discovered the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I was saved when I was 14, by the way, so that's seven years later. Discovered the baptism in the Holy Spirit and, and spiritual gifts. And, and, I, and I read this book and, and I thought, man, we have a powerful God. So I, I started praying for people. And the, the first person that I prayed for got healed. And I'm thinking, man, this is, this is amazing. I didn't know God did things. And, you know, I... I we, Many of us will have been on that journey where we, we learnt and, and discovered we could pray in tongues, we could, we could worship in tongues, uh, we could uh, hear God for ourselves, and, and we learn about these spiritual gifts and operating in spiritual gifts. And, and, the, and the great thing happened in the church in the 70s and 80s is those spiritual gifts were discovered in mainstream churches. But there's a third... Level, a third frontier, you know, to go where no man has gone before or where every man should go who follows Christ. And, and that level is to know him. You can operate in the spiritual gifts without really having any relationship at all with God. You can be born again and not know anything about the Holy Spirit. I proved that for seven years. But to know him, to know how he thinks, what, what he's about, what his heart is. But we need to know how to do that. We need to know how that works. You see, often we, we will pray, won't we, that we need more of the Holy Spirit. And we do. You know, the, this is my personal opinion. But I think the church is bankrupt in this nation without the Holy Spirit. And, and a lot of the, the things that we have done over the last 20 years, we've bankrupted the church from the only source of power that the church really has. And, we, and, and we've been running hard and working ourselves hard to try and reproduce what the Holy Spirit can do naturally. And, it, and it, it, it's a challenge. But, you know, when we say we need more of the Holy Spirit, really... What he's saying to us when he stirs that in is, is I want you to go deeper and deeper with me. I want you to go deeper and deeper with me. You see, strange as it might seem, the Holy Spirit isn't excited about how gifted you are. Because he made you like that. He knows how gifted you are. What the Holy Spirit is excited about is who you are. And who you are becoming. 
The great work of the Holy Spirit is to glorify Jesus in our lives. So that the whole earth will see the glory of the Lord. We are the light that shines in the darkness. And we say, well, how are we a light that shines in the darkness? Does that mean I just have to tell everybody about Jesus? Well, that would be good. But it doesn't mean that. It means that we're supposed to carry the Holy Spirit to such a depth and such a filling that we are genuinely light that shines into people's lives. And they, they know that, that, that God is on the scene when they encounter us. And it's a great desire of my life to be like that. I'm not like that. I'm not where I was, but I'm not like that. And I want to be there. You know, we, we have a, a real problem when we wander away following our own paths. And, and we... we we, we are good at following our own paths in Christianity. I, I know, for instance, for myself, I've been focusing on time waiting on the Lord and hearing his voice and, and knowing his presence. But yet there's this temptation, isn't it, that I want to read more books about, about him and I want to read more things and I want to listen to more talks online and all that sort of stuff. And we get distracted because... Just because we have this incredible ability to be distracted. And Peter said, where will we go, Lord, if it's not to you? Because you've got the words of eternal life. The Holy Spirit is the only one that can lead us to have a real relationship with Jesus and with the Father. Because he has the words to speak to our heart and set a light in our heart from the scriptures that, that, that will give us that knowledge of what eternal life is about, about knowing God. You see, there's a, there's a big difference about, between knowing somebody and knowing about somebody. You know, we, uh, we spent... A long time, in, and rightfully so in the last month or so, finding out about a young girl called Emma Raducanu, haven't we? Who came from kind of nowhere and then won the US Open. And, and she was all over the newspapers. And all of us like know a lot more about Emma Raducanu than we did a month ago. Roger doesn't. He... But the reality is we don't know her at all. We have no idea what she's like. We know a lot about her, but we don't know her. And it, and it can often be like that with Jesus. We know a lot about him, but we don't know him. And, and that knowing him, that's the job of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said that when I send the Holy Spirit, he'll come and he will glorify me. He, he will show you I am. He'll, he'll, he'll bring to mind my words. And, um, you know, let, let's go to that passage in John 14. I think it's John 14, yeah. Um, verse 16. I will pray to the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he dwells will, with you, and will be in you. I will not 
leave you as an orphan. I am going to come to you. A little while longer the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. At that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it's he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him, and I will manifest myself to him. The, who, who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is God. And, you know, I wasn't told that as a teenager. Like, the Holy Spirit was third league. You had, like, God the Father, Jesus there, and then the Holy Spirit somewhere down the bottom. And, you know, even now, I, I was reading a book that was written, I don't know, a couple of, maybe a couple of hundred years ago by a guy called Andrew Murray, and he, he knew the Holy Spirit, and yet he keeps referring to the Holy Spirit as it. He's a he. He's God. And, you know, when Jesus said, I'm going to send you another helper, that word there, he means, I'm going to send you somebody who is exactly like me. Who's God too. I'm going to send you somebody who is the exact replica of my heart, my thoughts, my image. And, and what he's saying is that the Holy Spirit is meant to fulfill a role in the life of the believer, which is just like Jesus did with his disciples. I don't, I don't know if you've ever thought of that, but Jesus would like talk, like he'd, he'd chat, like let's say Roger's Jesus, you know, because you've got the beard and I haven't. Roger's Jesus, I'm a disciple, we chat. And Jesus is saying, this relationship is on offer to you with the Holy Spirit. And not like I'm constrained to one location. This relationship is on offer to everybody in the whole world who believes in me. And, and the, the Bible has a word for it, which I'll, actually I'll come back to it. The word the helper there is, you, you, some of you probably know this, it's paraclete. And what it means is one who assists and gets alongside, or one who stands for. That's the point. The Holy Spirit doesn't do everything. He assists you in the life that you live yielded to Jesus. He empowers that life. He guides that life. He gives it wisdom. But then it's up to us to follow. You see, the Holy Spirit is gentle. He's not, he's not big thundering clouds. You know that still small voice that we talk about? That's the Holy Spirit. He's, he's, he's got a personality. He's real. And, and, and we can get to know him. I think it's amazing, I don't know if you, you've seen this, but in verse 18 it says, I will not leave you as an orphan. I will come to you. I will come to you. 
how's he come? How does Jesus come to us? Jesus comes to us because he's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. Jesus kept his promise. The Holy Spirit came at Pentecost and hasn't left planet Earth ever since. He, he's come. And, and then he says this amazing thing. I'm not going to leave you. You might not bother with me. You might not think about me. You might not engage with me. But I'm not leaving. But here's the thing. Here's what's on offer. If you love me, whether I love you or not is not in question. But if you really love me, if I've captured your heart, I will manifest myself to you. What does that mean? Well, it goes beyond kind of a nice, warm, fuzzy feeling. Manifest myself to you. Um, how, can, how can I put it? It means to appear, to be there in such a tangible way that you cannot mistake that I am there. That's what I've been talking about the last few weeks. The Holy Spirit's desire is to manifest God to us in such a tangible way there is no mistaking he is here. Not a maybe, or it feels kind of nice, or this is a, like a holy moment. It's the Holy Spirit is here. And so we, we find ourselves in that place. So, you know, the, the Holy Spirit is the one who wrote all this down. He was in charge of, t of the instructions that I've just read and, and the promises that I've just read. Now, I, didn't mean, I don't mean that the Holy Spirit has like a, a Parker pen and he, and he's, he wrote it down. Because clearly he doesn't do it at keyboard because he's old. You know, he, he's not a silver surfer yet. But he doesn't do it at keyboard. It, but he wrote down the Bible. But he wrote it through men. Because we, we find out, don't we, that all scripture is God-breathed. That, that, that God-breathed means he, he, he breathed life and, and inspiration into the person. How did he do that? How did he do that with Paul or Peter or James or John or whatever? Because he filled them. They had a real relationship with him. So it was like him dictating it. And you get this picture at the start of Revelation, don't you, of Jesus dictating the letters to the seven churches. And, and this, this reality is the hope of our planet. This reality is the hope of our nation. I get in trouble for saying this, or I have got in trouble for saying this, but it, this, this, this world we find ourselves in is dark. And it is not going to get better. We have two things happen from here on in. One, what, two options. One, we have a revival in our nation that turns it around. That's the one I'm praying for. Or Jesus is coming back. But either way, time is short. Because there's great darkness. You know, suddenly what was good is now bad and what was bad is now good and to be celebrated. We, we, have, we have lost our perspective. You know, um, just to help me, I'll show you a, a, a little bit of my 
journey. The Holy Spirit was involved in me being born again. You can't, you can't get born again without the Holy Spirit. Because it's receiving the Holy Spirit. When you give your life to Jesus, he says, I count that as that old man dying and a new man coming to life. And how does he come to life? How is he born again? Because I will put my spirit within him. Take out that heart of stone and give him a heart of flesh and put my spirit in him. And Paul tells us, uh, in 1 Corinthians 6, 17, that his spirit is one with my spirit. Where, where I end, he starts. And you can't tell the difference. And, and that's true in my spirit. But it's not, all, it's not true in my flesh. And it's not true in my soul. And they're the bits, if, I, if, if that, that that is possible inside me is to come to reality, it needs me to yield my flesh and my agenda and my goals and all the rest of it to him yeah. and say I want to follow you Jesus only asked one thing of us which is follow him how do we follow him Paul says in Romans 7 you follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit and, and, and you follow the commandments that he gave us love the Lord your God with all your heart all your soul all your strength and all your mind and love one another as you love yourself and love one another as I've loved you there's his commands that's what he's talking about in there. And he said, when you do that, if you're that person who is so in love with me, you will, I will manifest myself to you in such a way that it is absolutely unmistakable and we're going to have that relationship called eternal life I talked about, which is you can know me. You can know me. And so we go from this being born again through the baptism in the spirit and the spiritual gifts and all the rest of it to this, this third thing. And it, what's this third thing called? It's called fellowship. You, I, I don't know, when Paul writes it like this and you can, you can miss so much from because we, we skim these little words that he, he poured over for so long to get right. And he says... At the end of his letters, he says, the love of God and the grace of Jesus and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. So what, what are the defining characteristics? Love of the Father, grace of Jesus, and fellowship of the Holy Spirit. So, and Paul's praying, I want that to be with you in these churches that I've planted. So what... What is he saying? He's saying, I want in my churches you to have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And I must have read that because I, I was kind of a keenie when I was a teenager. I used to read the Bible a lot. And I must have read that hundreds of times, that word fellowship, and it meant nothing to me. It meant things like uh, a bring and share, a uh, life group in the middle of the week, you know, prayer meeting, uh, youth group, whatever. That's fellowship. Where we get together and we have a nice time and we talk about Jesus. And uh, we, we wear our Christian badge. That was fellowship. And we still talk about fellowship groups, don't we? Because we use that word. And we think of it as fellowship with each other, which it is in that context. But Jesus is saying, and, and Paul is saying, you can have that sort of fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And when I first discovered that, I didn't like it. 
because I was so kind of caught up in my traditional background, I, I didn't like that. Because it's wrong to, to think that God would want that sort of relationship. He's to be honoured, he's to be glorified, he's to be worshipped, he's to be obeyed, but he's certainly not to be chatted to. Like I would chat to a friend. And it was a real problem for me. And uh, I, I think I've shared a couple of weeks ago, I, I, I read this book, um, I guess we would have been, I would have been about 30 when I read it, called Good Morning Holy Spirit. And whatever you think about the book or the person or whatever, it shocked me in a good way that I realised two things. Firstly, the Holy Spirit is a person. He's a he, not a he, it. But secondly, I could have a relationship with him. And I began this journey that I began to discover things about the Holy Spirit that changed me as a Christian. They changed my walk as a, as a Christian. You see, what I desired at that point is I desired to know what was on his heart. Because I, I realized that if I can have this sort of relationship and fellowship with the Holy Spirit, I want to know what's going on. I want to know how he feels about things. I want to know how he feels about me. I want to know if, how he feels about the world that we live in. I want to know how he feels about uh, my behavior or people's behavior all, all sorts of things I want to know I want to know what hurts him I want to know what gives him joy I want to know what gets him excited I want to know what what, what upsets him and, and, and I started to say Holy Spirit will you show me will you show me these things you see once you make that shift from prayer being about requests to prayer being fellowship in relationship with the Holy Spirit, your whole life changes and your whole approach changes. And this is, I have to say, this is so much simpler. You know, it's so simple, I wonder how like, I forgot it or, or not, not followed it as much as I set out to do. You see, I started to learn what he loved. And the first thing I discovered is he loved me. That he, he absolutely loves me. I spent many years disagreeing with his opinion on that. But I couldn't change his mind. He absolutely loves me. But I also learned what hurts him. See, Ephesians 4, it talks about grieving the Holy Spirit. Hebrews tells us that what it's faith that pleases God. Whatever is faith is pleases God. If it's not faith, it doesn't please God. So it's possible, although Jesus, the, the, the Holy Spirit, God loves me, I'm not always pleasing to him. He doesn't stop loving me. It's a bit like my kids. They're not always pleasing to me. But I love them. And, and you won't change my mind on that. And it's like that with, 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 
with God. His love for me and for you is completely unconditional. But I started to discover, and then I found those verses in Ephesians 4, that we can grieve the Holy Spirit. And, and you know, let, let me just go there, Ephesians 4. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. What is good for necessary edification, that he may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamour and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, even as God in Christ forgave you. So what is it that grieves the Holy Spirit? You see, that, that word grieve means deeply wounds, causes pain. It breaks the Holy Spirit's heart when he sees things in his kids that are like this. You know, we, we find so much to argue about with each other as believers, don't we? And, and it, what this is saying is it breaks his heart. That, that you can't get along. <laughs> and you carry all this stuff in you. And it's kind of the word that you would use for deep weeping and groaning if you applied it to a person. You know that, that bit where you are going through such pain in your upset that it feels like your body's about to burst. That's that word that's translated there and the Holy Spirit can feel that because he's a real person. And so I don't want to grieve him. I don't want to hurt him. I don't, I don't want to do that to somebody else. So I want to be careful around him. I, I don't want to take it flippantly. I, I, I want to be really, really serious about my relationship with the Holy Spirit because I don't want that to be me. I don't want to be the person that causes pain to another like that. So where do you start in this? You know, I, I've already said that, you know, I asked him, like, what you like? What's your heartbeat? What, what is it? And I'll, I'll talk a bit more about this in, in future weeks, um, apparently. <laughs> you know, the Holy Spirit is the loveliest most precious, most beautiful, most gentle person on this earth. He's incredibly powerful. He has the power to create the universe. And yet he's gentler than any of us and kinder than any of us. And more precious than any of us. That relationship with him is the pearl of great price. Why? Because 
he's God on earth. Just like the disciples related to Jesus as a friend, as a, as a counsellor, as, as like everything they held precious. That's, that's where the Holy Spirit now is. And, you know, people get all caught up. Like, well, you know, I don't, I don't think you can, I, I used to get caught up like this. I, I really don't think you can pray to the Holy Spirit. I think you've got to pray to God, the Father, because that's what Jesus said. Yeah, except you see lots of instances in the New Testament where people pray to Jesus. And, and we create all these obstacles. The Father's God, Jesus is God, the Holy Spirit is God. We're praying to God. And you can talk to him. You can share with him. You can know him. And, and we get hung up on all this, this sort of stuff. And, you know, the, the, if you want to do this, what, I, what I, I'm, I'm saying is this first step is go and get in your room and shut the door. Turn your phone off. Don't take it in there with you. Don't take your laptop in there with you. Go there and wait and just ask, precious Holy Spirit, will you show me what you like? That's prayer. That's fellowship. Prayer is union in communion with the Holy Spirit. One. Knowing Him. Our spirit, His spirit. One. How does it work? You know, this used to puzzle me, so I'm, I'm kind of doing some basic things this morning. And people go, well, how, how, do, how does God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit relate? I don't know. They do what they do. But we, we can find certain things that help us to relate and to build in that, grow in that relationship. You see, the Father is the one who gives the command. We, we know that. Nothing. Jesus came only to do what he was told, and it's the same with the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the one who performs the command. All that all, all is was created through Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is the power that causes the command to happen. So if you, if you imagine it like this, and it, as with anything with God, whenever you try and explain like the Trinity or whatever, it's, it's not, it kind of goes beyond you. And, and that's okay, isn't it? Because if God's God, there's got to be something we don't understand about him, otherwise he wouldn't be God. He's got to be able to do a lot more than we can. But let's, let's imagine, uh, let's, let's do it the other way around. So let's imagine that I said to Bethan, Go and switch the lights on over there. Okay? So that's God the Father issuing that command. That's, what, that's his will. Bethan would, you don't have to do it, but Bethan would then go over to the light switch and press the switch. Jesus, the one who performs the command. But that, that's not what makes the lights go on, is it? It's the power in the circuit that makes the lights go on. That's the Holy Spirit. The one who is here and dwells on earth 
to cause to come about the glory of Jesus on earth. You know, uh, Ephesians 2.18 talks about us having access to the Father through the Holy Spirit. You can't have access to God the Father and Jesus properly without the Holy Spirit doing that. That's why Paul talks about how the Holy Spirit prays for us. Most of our prayer should be a response to what the Holy Spirit's just shown us. And I know mine's not, so I need to get more like that. It's not that he doesn't care about my list, but they're kind of low down on his agenda because he can do them with a blink of an eye. He wants me to know him so that I can believe him and trust him and that my faith will grow so that then that makes possible for him to do what he wants to do in answer to my request. I couldn't repeat that. Let's hope that was recorded properly. Let me just kind of leave you with a couple of things. I got something wrong last night. I went to spend time with the Holy Spirit and I got a blank ceiling. Because that's what I've done for the last three weeks. And I forgot to ask him, do you actually want me to do that today? And so we had this really interesting thing last night. But Shell was trying to get me interested to something that she'd seen online. Uh, she was watching, because you, you know that we are uh, directors of IRIS, uh, Heidi and Roland Baker's ministry. And Cheryl, is, Heidi was speaking at this conference, was it in America with Randy Clark? And Martin Smith was leading worship, and it looked great. And Cheryl was going like, you've got to see this, you've got to see this. And I'm going, no, I'm going to go and be with the Lord. No, you've got to see this, you've got to see it. No, I'm going, I'm going, you can't, you can't tempt me like that. I'm not, I'm not going to be distracted. So I, and, and she, no, you really, you've got to see what, what's been said. It's really, 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 this is Cheryl, really, really good. In fact, it's really, really, really it's really good. It's really good. And she couldn't get it past really good. So I thought, oh, I'm going. I'm going to go and be with the Holy Spirit. And I went upstairs. And, and I was up there. And I was worshipping away for like half an hour. And then I was praying. And, and absolutely zilch. And I, I went. So I went to bed. And I thought, I've had enough of this. <laughs> like, what is wrong? Like, Holy Spirit, you have turned up every day. For the last three weeks since we started this journey, where are you? Like, what, what, what is it? Are you just like lost interest? And I couldn't get it. And I woke up this morning and he just said to me, you should have listened to Cheryl. You didn't ask me what I wanted you to do, did you? You did not ask me what I wanted you to do. Now you've had time to stew about it. There's the problem. Talk to me. Talk to me not just when you're in that secret place. Talk to me. What do you want me to do? He wanted me to watch Heidi Baker. Because Cheryl told me about this testimony and it was incredible. And I'm just like, okay, Holy Spirit, I'm learning here. 
I'm learning here. And we're all learning, aren't we? I think that's enough for this morning. Let's stand. Holy Spirit, we, we love you. We want that eternal life that Jesus said could be ours, which is to know you. Not that we're not saved, but we want to know you. We want to know you so that you don't make these basic mistakes like that one I made last night. I want to know your heart. I want to know what it is. I don't want to grieve you. I don't want to hurt you. I don't want to be the one who is, is not pleasing through my own stupidity and my own issues. I want to be more like you. Yeah. Holy Spirit, I invite you to do, if you agree with this, just like put your hand up. I've got my eyes shut so I can't see you. But Holy Spirit, I want you to change me. I, I, if there's bits of my life that I'm holding on to that you want, I give them to you. I want you. I want to love you the way you love me. And I don't, I find I don't, and I want to. Help me, Holy Spirit. Help me, Holy Spirit. Help me on this journey. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Praise you, Holy Spirit. Thank you. Let's just praise him. Just thank him. Just, I don't mean just do that clap thing that we do at the end of services. Just praise him. Just thank him. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Praise you. Praise you, Holy Spirit. Praise you, Holy Spirit. Thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Praise you. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Amen. Once again, I forgot all the routine, boring stuff. So if Jules puts the offering details up on the screen, if you're giving online, just carry on doing it. If you're giving by bank transfer, carry on doing it. If you want to give a gift this morning, there's two baskets on your way out. Just pop it in there. Envelopes are around on the seats. Same for those who are currently online. You know, we, we give because we love. It's part of what we do. We, we're in this together with the Holy Spirit. He's got, he's got my all. He's got everything he wants. I say that. That's a statement of faith. I haven't got there yet. I thank you, Father. I thank you, Jesus. And I thank you, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So, to those online, uh, have a great week. And to those not online, have a great week. But just start out on this journey. Start out on this journey. Ask just some simple questions. Sit there, worship him, and he will come. I guarantee it. But you're going to have to wait on him. It's not a 10-minute thing.
You're going to have to wait on the Lord. 